Hi, it's Kirsty here from School of Facilitation and welcome to A Facilitator's Journey, Real Life Stories. In today's episode, I'm talking to Mariel Swain, an intuitive coach. Now, some of you might be going, but she's a coach, not a facilitator or a trainer. Well, guess what? Coaches need to run their own businesses as well. And Mariel is a good friend and I find her story really interesting. And she's also at a threshold in her life as she is moving towards retirement. And I thought it'd be really interesting to talk to her today and understand what that means for her and also what that will look like and how she is shaping her retirement or her plans for her retirement. So settle in, grab a drink, and enjoy this episode. Hey, Mariel, welcome to a Facilitator's Journey, our podcast Thank at you. school. Uh, first question, how do we know each other? Well, we know each other through the School of Facilitation. So I'm just trying to think about, I know how we know each other. Go I just remembered. We know each other through Sarah Jane Monato we and do. Sarah Rosentula. So I can remember sitting in her living room. Um, So she is a fellow coach and trainer, I would say, not rather than facilitator. Um, And she, I attended some of her and still attend some of her um, offerings, one of which was the business startup course, which is where Sarah J. Minato. Sarah J. Minato. And I was sitting in her living room having a cup of tea and she said, you know, I think there's someone in your in, in my network I need to connect you with. Her name's Kirsty. Um, and I don't know whether it was a WhatsApp or an email, but we got connected. An email. Um, and I started coming along to the gatherings in Leamington Spa. And I'm guessing that was 2016, 2017. It was a while ago. 17, I think. 17, 18. 17, yeah. Um, and that's where we first met. So our listeners know, how would you describe what it is you do? Um. I am a coach. So my principal activity is coach. And I would describe myself as an intuitive coach and guide. Um, And over the years, I've increasingly become more comfortable with clients need sometimes to have someone alongside them and holding their hand who sometimes might offer some direction and some input. So intuitive coach and guide. Intuitive coach and guide. And for those listening, going, I thought, Kirsty, this was all about a facilitator or a trainer. I've got friends who are coaches and they run their own businesses. So at the end of the day, the topic of conversation is still relevant. Uh, and hence me inviting Mariel to be one of my guests. So let's dive into our conversation. Hey, Mariel, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Kirsty. How are you? Very good. Welcome to a facilitator's journey the School of Facilitation podcast. So in this, we're going to talk about you and your business and some different points in your journey. And the idea being you just share some of the things that are important to you. So I'm really curious, where did it all start for you? I'm originally a corporate girl. um, And I began by I think probably a common route into the world was I started off as a secretary um, in the 80s and I worked in the city and I just kind of worked my way around I realized very early on I like to do lots of different things 
Um, and I, I enjoyed the security of having one employer, but being able to, to, to kind of flex about. And um, I won't bore you with all the details, um, but I, I ended up in a situation where I was a reasonably senior manager within a local police force. Um, and there was the option of taking voluntary redundancy. Um, and I developed a very close relationship with a colleague who decided that she was going to retrain as an NLP practitioner and a coach. We had both been through the same program um, around transformational leadership. And, and I really didn't know what I wanted to do other than step off and do something different. So I gaily followed this woman uh, to college some six months after she graduated and thought, I'll do the same. Um, and what was lovely for me was that I was quietly able to do that during my last year working at the police force because they didn't know what to do with me while they were trying to you know, go through the motion of the voluntary redundancy. So I got to study effectively on their time. Nice. Which is probably not a great admission to make for taxpayers' money, but hey-ho. It was the 80s. That's fine. It was a long time ago. Exactly. I did that um, and left and started my own business. I, you know, I registered with the tax man and thought, yay, that's it. That tax man knows I'm here. I'll have clients. Okay. And what happened next? Uh, not a lot. Um, I built my own website with someone I'd met networking. So that the next thing I actually did, I was lucky enough to find myself um, in a community where uh, a, a neighbour who literally lives up the road ran a business startup course that was aimed solely for women. And it was a, an eight week, you know, two hours a week, something like that. Um, and, and it was actually the makings of my very first network. So it, it helped me come up with my business name. Um, and it also helped me come up with my, my strap line and what I was going to do and that first network. So my, my next task on having done that was to, I thought, well, if I build a website and tell the world that I'm here, I'll be swamped with clients. So, um, I built a website. I had photos done. I paid her in jam because I didn't have any money at the time. Okay. <laughs> and I make lots of jam. And she said, just give me strawberry jam. That's fine. Um, and the website went up and I started writing blogs and very quickly realized I'd have to do just a little bit more than that to get to get some clients. <laughs> so, um, uh I used the initial network that I was in to help with that. Um, and and so I also... I'm going to pause you because I want to ask you some questions before you dive on. Um, you said you were on an eight week startup course. Um, and I'm thinking we, a lot of us do that now. There are opportunities to go and do um, join a community or join a course to help us. What sort of, topics did you cover in that course that you have found really helpful um i think <clears throat> excuse me the although i never actually used the business plan thinking about it um about what i wanted to achieve and by when was really really helpful 
we were also um, encouraged to come up with a sort of mock um, income and expenditure. Um, so actually working out how many sessions a week I'd need to do in order to uh, have an income that was sustainable for me yeah. was really valuable. To be honest, I think the most valuable of all was sitting thinking about um, who am I and um, what's unique about me? What, what, how do I want to work? Who do I want to work with? Um, and, and therefore, what do I call myself? You know, what, what, what do I want to manifest? It was that kind of stuff. We also um, had, bizarrely, which was extremely helpful, but in a very dull way, um, the tax man came to visit and do a presentation um, on what the HMRC will and won't do, which was really liberating um, and, and put, puts you in the space of, oh, actually, they're here to help, which was positive. And I think um, being able to hear from accountants and tax people what we can and cannot do in our businesses um, is super, super important because it's something we just have no idea about when we first set up our own businesses. And sometimes some of us are still, myself included, feel a bit blind and I'm always asking my accountant questions. So yeah. I think knowing that it's always a good thing to go and talk to other people who know what you do not is be yes. a real benefit. Really, really valuable. That, that group of women in terms of the diversity of their businesses and also the conversations that went on about what their criteria of success were, were extremely helpful. You know, there was a, um, I knew that I just needed to kind of wash my face financially and that I didn't want to make any more. Um, there were a couple of other women who, whose criteria of success were simply around make enough money to pay for the family holiday um, or any money I make is a bonus. Um, you know, so not everybody was doing it as they're um, needing to make a significant amount of income. It was how it made them feel. Yeah. Which was really valuable. So one of the things you told me when we were prepping for this conversation um, was just different segues during your your career as a working for yourself. And we talked about how how you found associate work. And I know this is a really hot topic for many people out there um, and I was wondering if you'd share with us what, what were some of the things that you have done to find associate work? I wrote to people. Um, I have a, a relative who is really good at winning those competitions that you see you know win two flights this that and the other and sh her tactic was that she um, sent in a postcard that was enormous in other words that wouldn't fit in a post box. Um, so what she was saying was if you want to get noticed, do something different. Um, and I realised that when things come into my inbox, I delete them. So I actually got on to Google and thought, I'm probably looking for, as a coach, I'm probably looking for HR businesses in a certain radius around me to begin with. I literally went on to Google um, and got about 40 or so um, and I wrote them a letter um, and I and I you know I did the research to find out who was running the part of the business that I was interested in um, and in my letter I also spoke to them about their business I wanted to show that I wasn't just somebody who'd done a data scrape um, that I was making it personal because I thought if this lands on somebody's desk um, it, it was also handwritten 
um, that it would be a really different experience for them, one that they could pick up and maybe put to one side or pick up and go, oh, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I, I'm going to contact that person. Um, I thought it was less disposable than an email. Mm. Um, and and actually, I was really encouraged by the number of responses I had, even if they were, thank you, but not right now. Um, it was better for me than just silence that you get when somebody hits the delete. Um, and out of that, I went to see two or three um, people, one of whom um, is still uh, an associate um, and and has kind of what's the word migrated into a friend space. Um, and um, but we we met, we talked about how our businesses were aligned um, and what we could do with that with each other. And we've worked with each other. Um, so that was one way that I went about it. Interestingly, I did also try the route of buying a contacts list um, and doing a great big mail merge type thing with that. And I can tell you, I got zero responses. So save yourself some money. If, if there's anybody out there thinking of doing that, that didn't work for me at all. How long ago was that? 2013. Twenty thirty. She said, "Looking up at a mythical calendar that's somewhere up here. I've no idea." Where that is fine. Is. Yeah, um, yeah. Twenty thirteen. Um, so, not that long ago. I, I don't know if that's something that still happens today. I think people try and find you um, followers on social media is the way it is now. Probably more than a contact list. How how did you find? So you've got. You said you wrote out to people as well. So was that associate work or was that direct to client work? Um, no, it was associate work. So I was asking them to take on a coach as an associate. And it was one where it, I, I targeted businesses where there was clearly, um, based on what they were saying on their, their website, um, an appetite for something like that. Um, and I framed it in a way of just saying, you know, I've come across you. Um, your business looks really interesting. And I wonder if you've ever considered um, so it was very it was a very gentle approach and how else have you found associate work um through personal contact so my main piece of uh, associate work that I still do came from that original network um and it was someone who else who was on the course the business startup course with me who um uh ended up doing some canapes because she was starting a catering business and she did some canapes for this particular individual and came to me and said, do you know, I think he's looking for a coach. Why don't you give him a shout? So I did. Um, and and actually, we've worked together now for eight years. So it's been a really, really fruitful relationship. Um, and And I think I've actually always found that the best things have come through that connection something that feels like a real connection great one of the things um we've spoken about is the type of businesses that we are creating um and you're always really clear with me when we speak like no Kirstie I have a lifestyle business you know and I'm yeah. really comfortable with that um can you tell us what that means to you please it means creating the flexibility to be able to merge my income generation work with other activities it's always been important to me to be very active in the community that I live in 
um, and to be able to participate or even run other things that don't generate income. Um, and I, you know, I, when I say I work part time, it's not even that I work certain hours. I've wanted a business that would allow me to book things, you know, paying work around other stuff. So really flexible. And, and if I want to go for a swim at half past 10 in the morning, I'll go. Um, so I, I just, after 30 odd years of, you know, getting up at six and commuting and all the rest of it, I didn't want to do that anymore. Um, so it's afforded me the ability to create new things in the community that I'm part of um, and to, you know, to have that kind of a life. So that's that's what it means to me. How do you keep your boundaries so intact? I listen a lot to my energy for things. So um, I, I allow my, my internal response very quickly to dictate to me about what I'm going to do. So it's kind of, a, you know, whether you could just say it's your gut, but I feel it's more like an energetic response. You know, when somebody says to you, um, how would you feel about um, and and you might then go, oh, that's amazing. Mm. And I think I allow the to be a, a an immediate check of do I need to say no straight away? Do I need to get a bit more information? But you know that I I need to pay attention to what is a physical response for my appetite for doing something. So I I've over the years have got better at listening to that um, and saying yes and no as a consequence. Nice. And how, how have you um, developed that response, like um, being able to listen to yourself so clearly? I probably am someone who has a fair amount of coaching. Um, I'm lucky that I have in my network a couple of good friends who are really, really accomplished coaches and in particular, one who is very, um, she works a lot with her body um, and is, you know, talks a lot about an embodied response. Um, and the honest answer is at the outset, I didn't hear it. So at the outset, it was just a kind of, does this fit with what I think is right for me or where I'm headed? Um, and working with this person helped me to listen to my gut a little bit more. The, the other thing I do, which I know that you do, is that I've long been a fan of a vision board. Um, and so I do one every year and I use it as a kind of reference so that if something comes in and I don't have a particular response to it, I will kind of, does this take me in my direction of travel? Does this, how does this show up in my vision board? Interesting. Um, and and if, it, if it seems to knit um with what's what's there then i'll probably go forward with it and if it doesn't i'll say thanks so much but no <laughs> there's so many things i want to ask about that because i and yeah i have some more questions for you in another area so i'll save them for another time okay i know that you've come to another juncture in your life um and you are starting to consider how to dial back the work that you do some call it retirement you might have another word for it. Um, threshold. You're at a threshold. That's what we said. Or you said. Yeah. Other than age being a thing and you're not 
like old, 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 or of a retirement age. How how have you come to this point? Like, what what's been? What have the whispers been to get you here? The whispers have been around. So again, I'll go back to my energy, my capacity. Um, about what's happening in my life at the time and where I feel that my focus is needed. Um, it is helped by the fact that I have a, a lovely range of pensions, one of which started paying out when I was 55. Um, so there is a, a financial cushion to, to that extent. But the whispers really have been what's going on in my life. Um, and... Um, as you know, I have a, um, a sibling who has early onset Alzheimer's um, and who lives very close to me. Um, so there is an element of actually where am I needed and where do I want to be? Yeah. Um, there is there is also an element of going back to the old vision board about, you know, what did I want to achieve with my business? Um, and therefore, what boxes have I ticked? Um, and as far as I'm concerned, I've ticked quite a lot of those. Um, in fact, probably all of them. I, I recently uncovered a vision board I did in 2009. Um, this was about, I came across it about 18 months ago. And it answered a really big question as to why I was feeling that I'm at this threshold, which is I thought, oh my goodness, I've ticked all of those boxes. Can you show what some of those boxes were? About building a life that had international travel, um, where I was living in a house by a river in a small village and I had lots of family around me and um, and a husband. Um, and, and actually the husband was the most recent box to get ticked. Yay. But it was also that sense of, um, I don't know, something to do with the, the independence, the maturity um, uh, of where I was, was, was at with my business. I just felt, no, I, I've, I've achieved what I wanted to do in that particular avenue, which is why I think it's, a, it's both a, a threshold and also I am transitioning into something else. Yeah. Um, and, and being really open to what that might be. What are you noticing as you're allowing that emergence? Crikey, the need for patience. Um, also, the need for manifestation. Um, I, need, I feel that I need to do more manifestation around that. Um, and it's sitting with sort of all sorts of unknowns. They might be unknowns. They might also be spinning plates. I'm not terribly sure. Um, feels quite um, challenging at times. But but what I have been able to do is to say, okay, now I'm definitely transitioning into retirement or semi-retirement. Retirement. And what that looks like in the immediate for me is stepping back from um, marketing. Um, so whilst I might still lurk on LinkedIn, I've stopped publishing blogs and publishing stuff on LinkedIn. I engage with conversations, but I've stepped away from something proactive and given the message to my existing clients that I um, will carry on working with them. I love working with them. And I'll also, if they feel like referring me through personal contact, yeah. I'd be yes. delighted um, but I, I, it, I wanted to step away from something that felt, um, well, it just wasn't particularly aligned with me. Um, and so that was the first thing I did. And I did that probably about two months ago. And how will you know, like, when are you going to go into a full retirement? Because you said semi-retirement. So 
how long is that piece of string? I might carry on working as a coach for years yet. Um, and I think because, and I use the word working, maybe operating, maybe living, living as a coach, mm-hmm. um, because uh, if I can do that just for enjoyment um, and it gives me a bit of pocket money, then I suspect I'll carry on doing that and I'll do it alongside other things that I really enjoy. So I've, I've begun to look uh, back at my 30 years of corporate life and to think about the things or the roles that I have fulfilled that have really given me a lot of pleasure apart from working as a coach um, and what opportunities might present themselves further down the line. Nice. You know, there are, for us, a lot of plates um, in the air at the moment, um, the most important of which is is sorting out my sibling um, and also moving house probably next year. So it's it kind of feels like there's a lot in the mix um, and um, in the mix as well is, and what do I want to do with the next, I don't know, 10 years? Yeah, I love that. Um, something some people might be thinking in their heads is about um, pensions. So I'm guessing one of your pensions definitely came from the police force. It did. And that's the one that's already started paying. When you went sole trader, what did you do about um, pensions then? I'm very bad, Kirsty. So I have three work-based pensions. Okay. And when I went sole trader, um, I did nothing. I didn't make any extra contributions. Um, So I didn't set anything else up. Okay. And uh, I always knew as well that I'm incredibly lucky that uh, there was some family money coming my way. Okay. At some point, which it did. So you've set up, though, knowing that. And I think that's the bit is when we're thinking about pensions we need to have that inner conversation with ourselves. um Mariel won't mind me saying this you and I have both been single girls in different parts of our yeah. lifetime and knew that maybe there wouldn't be a significant other to sort of lean into um, yeah. and therefore self-sufficiency has been what well, it's still really important to me as well um, mm. and therefore having a plan in my head I know about my retirement which by the Mm. way before we started this conversation I was like oh my goodness I could retire if I wanted to in 15 years time that Mm. really freaked me out I've never thought about it like that before Mm. it's like wow um so all I've been if people are sitting listening and they're like but I don't have anything is do you is that the truth or is it you're just not paying into anything right now and what is the possibility of even setting up a pot that you can even put a hundred pounds away a month like start now it's never too late um, absolutely and talk to an i if you're listening to this and you're british speak to an independent financial advisor if you're listening to this in other countries you'll have something that's the equivalent of someone who's independent and with a lot of the good ones you don't have to pay them in advance because they get paid on the recommendations that they make to you and if you take those out but um i am not I'm not a finance person, but that's just what I know to be true from my personal experiences. Likewise, I have one and it's been incredibly useful to um, work with him. You know, he's got some fab software that shows everything 
um, on charts and says, you know, this is when your state pension pays out. This is how much you're going to get. This is when this, this and this pays out to be able to see the arc of my financial security. Um, and you're absolutely right. I, I needed to ensure my own future um, and um, and over my corporate life, I was able to do that yeah. um, and, and get to a place where um, I, I was secure. Nice. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I think I basically have to be about 95 before I run out of money, which is awesome. Hopefully you'll be around then, though, as well. Oh, God, no. I, no, not really. Okay, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> one of the things you said to me is, uh, like, um, you should always try and find your business soulmates. What what did you mean by that? It's around working with people who who just you've got the same values. They really really get you. Um, there's no point, you know, if you're someone who who um, I don't know works. I'm not being very articulate. It's about preferences. It's about working styles. It's about people who believe in the same things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and I would, I would say business soulmates ex- is, is colleagues as well as clients. Um, so it, there's a lot to be said for being careful about choosing your clients wisely. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, people who you feel are on the same page as you. Um, because, you know, if, if, for example, I'm a very intuitive coach. Um, I'm not yet sure how much appetite exists in the big blue chip world for intuitive style coaching. Um, and so as a consequence, I'm, I would never point myself there. I know that some people are doing great work in that space, but by and large, it's something that's a bit more transactional. Um, and that's not my style. So I've over the years, as I've um, become clearer about what my style is, um, I have um, been much more careful, um, or targeted is probably the right word, um, about who those who those clients are, and therefore they can become your soulmates. They can refer you on to people, and working with um, associates, you know, sharing workout with people who who are um, on the same page as me, and from a coaching that perspective, that is putting the client first. So, you know, if, if I'm not the right person for this particular client who's come to me, I will pass them on. The other thing as well is like your community of practice, the people, like not just your clients, the other coaches, facilitators and trainers that you find yourself talking to on a weekly yes. or daily basis as well, equally important to you? They are important. Um, I think probably some of them have, have become... Um, extremely important sounding boards um and not only that also you know the their capacity to to witness your um your journey with your business and your journey in your life i mean as you know i'm part of a, a small group um and we call each other the cheerleaders that was set up as a consequence of the school of facilitation and we've been meeting for three years possibly um twice a month once for a coffee and once for a more formal um and and the that sort of i think we share with each other almost at a soul level but the the value of our um connection and witnessing is you you just can't underestimate how much 
it can do for you to have someone by your side that you can contact um, who, who, who gets you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you, Muriel. You're welcome. We're going to come to the quick fire questions now, which we ask all our guests. So I've got four questions for you. Quick fire. What advice would you give to someone starting out? I think follow your heart. Um, I would, you know, search inside about what it is that you really want to do, what lights you up. Um, nice. and, and when you feel lit up by something, trust that actually the other elements will fall into place as long as you keep manifesting it. How have you invested in yourself or your business to support you moving forward? There have been two or three things that I've done. Um, I can give a shameless plug for the School of Facilitation um, and the um, the net my, my network that's come as a result of that. So I know that when I come along to face-to-face sessions, um, I go away with something. But the most important thing I get is is I just get such a lift out of it. I feel so energised and so connected um that that you know i you, you come out i come out of our, our meetings and think i could conquer the world which is just the most amazing feeling um but i've also done you know training coaching i've 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 had coaching i've i've spent some time exploring different coaching um methodologies that i've thought yeah i fancy that not i need to it's been i fancy that mm. um and regular supervision Oh my goodness. Absolutely. And I know you are more coach than facilitator and trainer, but I think the same is true for facilitators and trainers listening to this around having supervision, having a coach that you can take your work to. Um, Excuse my French. We all need to sort our shit out because if we don't, it leaks and it shows up in our work. So Mm -hmm. I absolutely concur with your thoughts about get yourself a coach get yourself a supervisor um one more question who do you follow in social media land that you think others should well um i'm not actually a very social media person i'll be brutally honest um i find social media an extremely unauthentic place um so i i i don't hang out on it um i'm trying to think um if i'm remotely interested in any, anyone in linkedin yeah <laughs> i love that not nah. nah that's fine um it, it's just too much broadcast for me that's okay yeah um, so i don't final question one book you'd recommend people read oh okay no i can see it right here actually so it's this book and it's an absolute gem. And it's, it's I think, probably written for children because it's Dr. Zeus. Um, and it is one of the best books I have ever read. So for people who might be listening to this versus watching. It's called Oh, The Places You Will Go. And it's by Dr. Zeus. You can find recordings of it on YouTube. And the thing I love about it is that it's just a very simple um, metaphor for one's journey in life. And it lets you know that sometimes you get stuck in a place where you're waiting. Um, And sometimes um, you end up in places that aren't so great. But you know what? You'll get out of them. Um, And and you'll be fab. 
Mariel, thank you so, so much for today and our conversation. And thank you for the, that book recommendation. Really loved having you. Um, enjoy this threshold that you are finding yourself in and enjoy the journeys you travel forward towards full retirement. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you.